welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with your three favorite brothers. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who won 500 grand last week. I sure did. That's me, uh, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who went home with 32000 That would be me, Trey Newman. All right. On today's episode, we are going to answer all of the questions you guys sent in uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at CFB Bros. So thanks for doing that. Uh, you can also be sure to check us out on YouTube. We're answering... One of your questions there, Brett on Instagram asked a really good question. What is our favorite logo in FBS? So we decided to make that into a video. We're going to do the top 10. Be sure to go to youtube.com slash college football bros and subscribe there. Uh, so again, yeah, we're listing our top 10 favorite college football logos. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get into the questions here. So Ryan, get us started. Sure. All right. First one is from, uh, Aaron Chapman 12 from Instagram. Who is the most likely team to win the SEC, not named Bama? I mean, I think you got to go with Georgia. Uh, they've been knocking on the door seemingly every year recently. Won it back in 2017, I believe. They're going to be a top five team going into this year. Georgia fans finally have some optimism with the offense as JT Daniels comes back. He improved their offense towards the end of the year. So I think you got to look the Bulldogs way. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't go with anyone from the West because they got to go through Bama just to to get to the SEC championship. And I guess A and M would be maybe the the obvious second choice there. But I don't know. I just I don't have. I, I think Georgia's probably better than A and M straight up, and they don't have to go through through Bama on their side of the division. So I agree. I, I give Georgia the edge over Florida because um, of you know Florida losing their losing Cal Trask, losing Cal Pitts, and. Georgia just overall having better talent. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. I agree. We're getting a little bit boring here, but Georgia seems like the the clear the clear choice. Um, you know, big big guy Jordan Davis coming back on that defensive line just kind of ices the cake as far as that that stout defense that they'll be returning next year. And there's still there's excitement there, so um, it's got to be Georgia. They're the the clear number two choice. And I mean, if the Aggies, if they do get a game changer at quarterback, they could make noise. But like you said, Mike, it's going to be a tall task against in the West. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then after just any, even the rest after A&M, there's a bunch of competitive teams like LSU should be better. Auburn, we'll see. Ole Miss is, is getting a lot better. Yeah. So there's, there's no easy W's over there. Arkansas is on the rise. Yeah, yeah. And you would expect Mike Leach's offense in year two to at yeah. least be a little bit better. Yep. Why don't we name all the teams in the SEC? Should we do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah we hey, which one do we leave out at this point? Mississippi State? Yeah, nope. there you go. You guys, you oh, no, we that. said that. I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just said Leach. <laughs> but uh, moving on to another Instagram question from Chad S underscore 529. He's got a couple. First all, first one is, does Minnesota return to their 2019 form in 2021? They should definitely be better than they were last year. They're 25th in the country in returning production. They get a couple O-linemen back from injury, including Daniel Falale, the, the big 400 pounder. So the running game should, the running game was good last year. I mean, yeah. Ibrahim had a, had a big year, so that should be even better. Um, 
but I, I don't, I don't want to say getting back to 2019 form because I just don't trust the offense enough yet. And in particular, Tanner Morgan, he was incredibly efficient that in, in, in 2019 last year, not so much. And it was because of course he was without Rashad Bateman and without, uh, Tyler Johnson. So we, we've got to see going into to 2021. Can he be anywhere close to what he was that year with, uh, with the, I guess, lack of weapons compared to that year? Yeah, and if you look back at obviously that 2019 year, it was um they got some some fortunate bounces that year. Uh, they remember they had like three close non-conference games that they all won at the at the wire and it was a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr. who kind of helped put them over the top that year. Um and of course the great receivers that they have. So, I'm just not seeing the the impact players um like the three we just mentioned, the two receivers and Antoine Winfield Jr. uh so and they the, also that 2019 defense also had a couple other studs on there so just not quite seeing that i mean i'm not they're going to be better like you said they got some decent returning production but uh to have them re- repeat what they did in 2019 i think is probably asking a little too much they'll go bowling and be solid but i don't think they'll match that yeah and i think we all agree that they won't be quite to the 2019 level but i think they could be more competitive than they were in 2020 the defense was just horrendous last year they should improve. They're 18th in returning production on that side of the ball. So hopefully some stability on that side will lead to more success. And then you guys touched on Tanner Morgan. I, this is going to be one of those guys that feels like he's been there for eight years, but yeah. he'll have to, he'll have to atone for, for uh, a little bit of a down year last year. All right. So moving on to his, the second question is David Cutcliffe the best coach in Duke history? Well, no, it's in coach the modern, K, but after him. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Football <laughs> history, I'm assuming here. I know. Uh, yeah, in the, in the modern era, it's, I'd say yes, and it's not close. Steve Spurrier is the only other coach in the last 60 years that has a, a winning record Short at term. Duke. Yeah, he was only there, I think, three years. Uh, but the best coach in their history is, overall, is clearly Wallace Wade, who coached them in the, the 30s and 40s. So I, obviously, I looked this up. Um, but he yes. was, 110 and 36 was his record. He made two Rose Bowls, including one that used to be a fun trivia question. What was the only Rose Bowl that did not take place in Pasadena? And it was 1942. It took place in Durham, North Carolina, because it was right after uh, Pearl Harbor, and they had banned um, like large gatherings on the West Coast. So obviously that changed this year now because of COVID. We had a, a Rose Bowl in Arlington as well, but... Uh, but yeah, anyway, he was a great coach and it's kind of weird. Oh, well, first of all, after that Rose Bowl, he quit coaching to go serve in, in World War II, which is wow. pretty cool. Wow. And, yep. and before he got to Duke, he went, he had an undefeated season as the head coach at Alabama and he left to go to Duke and everyone kind of wondered like, why did he do that? And he never, it wasn't until later in life that he said why, which and it was kind of a boring reason. He just wanted to basically... Well, this kind of paints it in a bad light, but he wanted more control. He wanted more, um, mm. impact on like the overall athletic department rather than just football. So anyway, that was probably more different times than man. he wanted. Different times. Yeah. Can you yeah, imagine like Saban yeah. going to Duke right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have been, no, but I have been so curious. I would love one of these great yeah. coaches to just go start at some like yeah. crappy program and just see what he can do. Why not? Yeah. yeah. That's, That's actually. True. Really I've always thought spot. about yeah, that. Like, like, why? What if Urban Meyer just went to like, you know, 
Nebraska. A Duke or whoever. Well, let's not. Okay. Uh, yeah, go to Duke. Exactly. Yeah, what is the ceiling for him there? That Andy. is that is great. Okay, well go let's let's Andy. answer that question. If if Urban Meyer went to Duke right now, oh. or do we want to make it Saban? Let's make it Saban just so we, we make it fine. Right. Let's way. make it Dabo uh, Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney because he's younger. Whoever Dabo Sweeney goes goes to Duke right now. What does he do? I would think. <sighs> I mean, he's not going to turn him into Clemson, but. There, I don't see why they wouldn't like compete in the ACC in a few years. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I like, think I bring in. I don't see you. why not. Bunch if, of if Cutcliffe can get Duke to bowl games, like why couldn't Dabo or Urban or whoever take them to that next level and be like right there in the thick of it? Yep, I agree with that. I think they would be a, a contender in the ACC. I'd love to see it happen someday, by for somebody. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to, we've got a question from Campfires with Krishna on Instagram. He just says, very simply, CFP sleeper, question mark? Yeah, um, I'm going to stay up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm going with the uh, UW. That was Huskies. mine. That was mine too. Oh, wow, there you wow. go. There you go. Yeah, we, we, we like the Huskies here uh, on, the, on the podcast. Um, they returned a lot of production from last year's squad. Uh, they went, you know, they only played four games last year, but they did go three and one. Um, but really that defense is what's got me excited. You know, they, they, I would have them as the favorite to have the best defense in the conference for sure. Um, vast majority of their, their leading tacklers come back. Um, their leading sacker, Zion Tupeloa Fatui. I'm so bad at it, but anywho. Yeah, Tupeloa he, He's coming Fatui. back. Yeah. Tupeloa Fatui. Tupeloa Fatui. Of course. Just rolls off your tongue. Fatui. Thank you. Yes. Anywho, he had seven sacks last year, and remember, they played four games, so, uh, he was That's the beast. Insane. He only played, didn't he play, I think he just played three games, him, himself. Oh, really? I think he had three, two, and two sack games. That's ridiculous. I could be mistaken on that, but I just thought I remember seeing that. You can look it up as we go here. Okay. Um, so, anyways, and then they have Big Sam Taimani, uh, plug it up the middle. I know they got tough names, but good linebacking core coming back. Uh, you know, Jimmy Lake always has a great secondary. He's got studs back there every year. Um, so if that offense can improve a little bit, you know, Sean McGrew is pretty good running back. They just need that QB position to step up a little bit. Yeah, the receivers, that's a big if which right now. they could, they could, the receivers had a good, pretty good young group last year. So I, I think the Cougs, I mean, the Cougs, I think the Huskies <laughs> could be, uh, could be uh, a sleeper. Yeah, just to to add on about Washington, I was looking. Well, first of all, he played. He did play three games, so that's that's crazy. Uh, he also had three forced fumbles in three games, but wow. but yeah, about that offense, I I was kind of only half listening there because I was looking it up. But I don't know if you mentioned they have eleven starters returning, so that's that's pretty crazy. But but the offense is is the question mark to me. It's just yeah. a matter of is Dylan Morris gonna make the next step or. Is Patrick O'Brien, the transfer from Colorado State, going to be the starter? Maybe the five-star yeah. true freshman, um, Sam Heward, but we'll see. Yep. Yeah. All right. I've got I've got two because I think you guys might. What do you guys think about? Is Wisconsin a sleeper? They're yeah. not. They're sleepish. Based off what they did, I think so. Based off what could. they did last year, so so they're going to have a top five defense. Graham Mertz, you know, we all know he started like gangbusters in game one, and then kind of the rest of the year he was. He was he was up and down, um, but now with the full off season, maybe he can blossom. They avoid Ohio State in the regular season. Maybe they can get back to their normal form. Um, I know that's not totally bold, but that would be a team that wouldn't shock me at this I mean, point. Have they made a playoff? 
That's true. No, they have, no, not. They have not. Yeah. You sounded, yeah. you sounded like a, a parent there or something. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, they have they made not. a playoff tray? No, they haven't. <laughs> I think you know. They <laughs> um, Penn State was one I thought about too. I could, I could see them bouncing back. I did think about them too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question here, guys. Let's move on to, uh, it's from, uh, oh, this guy's a loser. Um, it's CFB underscore Michael on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, what is your reaction to the Gus Malzahn hire at UCF? Dumb question. Good question. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't discussed that. So he must have been aware and wanted to bring it up. <laughs> well, I've historically been a big Gus guy, but I'll, even me, I'll admit the last couple of years, it was just getting a little stale, wasn't quite, you know, panning out at Auburn. So, but, but now with new life, I really do like this hire. I think it's a great fit for both Gus and UCF. He's already campaigning his up-tempo style, and I think he'll get back to kind of the style of offense he had in his offensive coordinator days in terms of being more a little bit more aggressive compared to those last couple years at Auburn. And a name like him can attract that local talent that they have. They got Big Cat Bryant transferring to them uh, recently. I, I just think it's a great match. Yeah, I I like the hire. He's he's going to do very well in recruiting, I think, because he's a big name. And even though it got kind of stale at the end at Auburn, it's we've said it before. It's not like he flamed out there. They very easily could have kept him, and it would have been totally reasonable. So for UCF to get a a coach like that is is good. The only reason I wouldn't have it as you know an A plus or maybe an A is is just that his offenses you know lately haven't been as good, of course, as they were at the beginning of his tenure and. I don't know. I just kind of wanted UCF to keep that same offensive identity that they had, the style of offense they were running. Seems like Gus will change that a little bit, but overall, still like it. Yeah, I mean, he's got some good pieces to work with, especially at QB. Uh, I think he's got a pretty good option there, Dylan Gabriel. So uh, I think there's, he's just set up for success right out of the gate. So I definitely think it's a good hire. Experienced coach knows what he's doing. Uh, he's going to bring in a good staff. He'll recruit. I like it. I, I, I mean, if you're UCF, I. Can't pick much better of a of a coach than that, I would say. Yep. All right. Moving on, we've got from T Real Sugar Shane on Instagram. Who will win the Ohio State QB battle? CJ Stroud, Jack Miller the third, or Kyle McCord? Ryan, what do you what do you think in there? Well, Stroud and Miller, you know, they obviously have the leg up just because they've been there for a year, and uh, so they have a, a little bit of a head start on on McCord. Um, and they're, you know, familiar with the system, but, you know, they didn't like play last year. I mean, I think they combined only had like 18 snaps. So, you know, they essentially never really saw the field. So they didn't see any meaningful time. Uh, my guess though is going to be CJ Stroud. Um, he was kind of the first guy that, that Ryan Day did turn to, um, when Fields wasn't there. Um, you know, but, but Miller and McCord, they're, it's going to be right there. It's a definitely a three way battle. It's not like a, you know, oh, one guy's got the lead and it's, you know, not really a true, but this is a true battle here. Um, maybe McCord, the five star could be the, the five star true freshman. He's there right now, or at least he was supposed to be in the spring. I'm not sure how it's going with COVID and whatnot, but, um, he was supposed to be an early grad and obviously he's a very, very talented guy with a five star pedigree. So he could be the future, but I'll just say that there, all three of them are going to be, would be good. You know, it's like, there yeah. doesn't seem like there'd be a wrong choice. They're all highly recruited guys. They all, most co- teams around the country want all of them. So, uh, I'll just go with, uh, Stroud though, just because, you know, he does kind of have, he would be the odds on favorite 
or maybe not odds on, but he would be the favorite at this point if, of the of the bunch. Yeah, it's a little disappointing that it is there is some uncertainty as to who will be the starter because um, it's the perfect situation that I like to bet someone to to win the Heisman. So like, yeah, because it's going to be an unknown guy, kind of like you know Kyler Murray at Oklahoma his first year or. Um, struggling to think of another example even mac jones kind of this year like yeah exactly there you go mac jones this year whenever it's sort of a a newish guy coming in that doesn't have the star power maybe people don't want to bet him as much but like you said whoever it is they're going to be great i don't know if they won the heisman but they very easily could be in the running so uh but yeah we just don't know who's going to be the starter um moving on we got a couple of similar questions we'll take them one at a time first one from paxton Paxton M. Scoggins, who's going to be the next UCF? What non-Power 5 is going to take off and make a run? All right. Well, I, I got to go with the the boring answer first. I, at, at this very moment, you'd be crazy not to mention Cincinnati. Uh, we're in an era now where coaches don't immediately bolt to that, that next Power 5 job unless it's the right fit. And Fickle, he might be a guy that's just patient and continue to build a strong Bearcat program. We saw what they did last year, making a New Year's Six Bowl. No reason to think, and they're recruiting well in the AAC. No reason to think that he can't keep that going and, and propel them. Oh yeah, I mean, I I almost didn't even count Cincinnati in this. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Kind of already, they, they've had like I'll, I'll straight <laughs> double digit win seasons. I know. I'm going to let you guys go. I had a couple just in in case you guys mention them, but I'll uh, I'll I'll come in on the back end. Well, I'll correct that. I think technically this last season wasn't double digit wins because they only played ten games, but you know what I'm saying undefeated. Well, I get the point. The bowl game. Alrighty, uh, I'm going to go with uh, our local, well, your local team, uh, San Diego State. That's uh, what I'm going with too, right? Oh, really? What are they going to like today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're no stranger to winning quite a few games down there. They've had a good program for sure. They haven't taken off, but they've been very good. They've gotten to 10 wins multiple times. Um, they've picked up recruiting here. They had the best class in the Mountain West this past year. Brady Hoke, of course, is the, is the coach there, uh, after his second stint. Um, and you know, it doesn't, I, with Brady Hoke, you don't feel like teams will be in a big hurry to try to hire him again, at least the power five, you know, so he's going to have to be really build that program for an extended period to kind of get second looks again, back in the power five. Um, so yeah, I could just see them building up a program that goes toe to toe with Boise, maybe overtakes them yeah. uh, in the Mount West. Yeah, I could see that because they do have, they've had double digit win seasons four of the past six years. So you could kind of argue, wait, aren't they already kind of there, but nationally they just aren't, they haven't quite no. gotten over the hump. They've only, they finished ranked once and it was 25th. So they just, they haven't quite got there, but I, I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, there was two I had one. I think they're, it's, they're a little small. They'll, I think they'll get better, but I don't think they'd get quite to the UCF level. And that's coastal Carolina. They're kind of, they're building that program and it's trending, but I think that might be a little ambitious for them to get to UCF level. But the other school that I don't really have a reason other than I feel like they're just a mini sleeping giant. I don't know why they haven't broken out and that's SMU. Like I think they could take that next step. They're in Dallas. They yeah, mm-hmm. historically had had a great program. I don't see why they couldn't, you know, propel themselves up. We'll see. They've had All a good right, run then. here the past couple of years, but not yep. I mean yep. elite, but they got a four star, highly rated four star uh QB coming in this year, so who knows? All right, next question that is a little bit different, I guess. D Moose underscore ten asks, Who is the next Coastal Carolina and why is it UTSA? <laughs> so yeah, in order to be the next coastal it has to be someone 
that's completely off of everyone's radar. Uh, yeah. UTSA is a, is a good one. I mean, they had a very good year last year, obviously overachieved. They have, I saw, I was reading about them. They have a huge athletic facility going in on campus. Of course, there's access to the Texas talent. Trailer is doing great things there as the head coach so far. I hope he can build it. But it's funny, you guys were kind of interchanging these questions because I was almost thinking of like, San Diego State, but I guess you guys were a little bit more ambitious. San Diego State was a little bit. I mean, they've already, they've won 10 games, you know, like we've yeah. said a bunch. So I don't, I don't think it would be quite out of, out of nowhere for them to go 11 and yeah, one or whatever. If you rewind like a year, Coastal, if you, and you and ask the same question, Coastal's like, what? Coastal's all oh, Terry, you know? So. Who, yeah, who did you have, Ryan, for this one? Oh, oh, I had, uh, yeah, I really just tried to, this is just like, you know, Hail Mary essentially because you're trying to pick a team that there's really no proof of them being good at, at the point. Coastal was just like, boom, it came from nowhere. So I'm going out of nowhere here, going a little out of left field. I'm going to pick South Alabama. Um, they got a good young coach, uh, Kane Womack. He did a great job at Indiana with on the defensive side of the ball, got them going. Um, you know, and that's saying something for Indiana's defense, which is notoriously just terrible. Um, you know, obviously I'm interested to see how the, his first year goes here and if he can get them to improve, um, and then see how his recruiting goes. But, uh, I kind of just randomly picked them, but I also wanted to pick somebody that had some new blood, a new coach, mm-hmm. um, and somebody that I thought it was a good coach. So South Alabama. Mine, I think maybe isn't quite out of nowhere as South Alabama, but they still haven't really done anything. It's Charlotte. Um, just because I still think Will Healy has right been going in the right, right direction. They haven't, uh, they had a, a down short year in 2020, but I can forgive that. He's recruited well. The past couple of years brought in a lot of Power 5 transfers. Wouldn't shock me for them to kind of explode one of these years. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Move on to the next one here. We got from uh, at Indie Fuel on Twitter. Who will win the Big Ten East and why will it be Indiana? It's like 97% a joke, he says. Or she says. He. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a long shot, obviously, like he implied there. Um, (laughs) but I mean, it's possible. I think even 97% a joke, maybe they've got, I think they've got a higher than 3% chance of, of, of winning the East. Um, especially if, if, I mean, it's close, but especially if Michael Penix stays healthy. I mean, last year they came close to pulling the upset at Ohio State. This year they get him at home and Buckeyes, I would think will be a little bit worse this year. Who knows? But. Uh, yeah. they, they lost a lot. So it's possible, but so right now, obviously I make Ohio State the heavy favorite still. I would make Penn State the clear number two, just still a ton of talent. I think last year was yeah. just kind of an off year, had some opt outs and just seemed like they I kind agree. of made. I, they're the clear number two. Yeah. Okay. I, I won't sell that anymore. And then to a lesser extent, I could kind of say the same thing about Michigan as I did about Penn State. Like I think last year was maybe. Just a, just an off year. Harbaugh, they're almost always top 20-ish type team. I know they're not, you know, as good as they want them to be, but they're always winning eight, nine, ten games. So I could yeah. see them being third easily in the, the Big Ten East next year. So I, I think I would have Michigan and Indiana kind of co-third favorites. Yeah. No, I'm, at this I'm on, I'm on board with that. I mean, even if the Ohio State has a, they could take a big step backwards at quarterback play. Like if they just end up having to play mm-hmm. musical chairs, that could be an issue. It might cost them a game or two. I mean, of course, talent alone will will 
help them probably win the East. But, you know, I would not be shocked if, you know, Penn State, they got the new offensive coordinator, Yurkic, if he can get them to, to show some more promise or, or signs of life that they've had over, you know, prior to, to last year, who knows? You could buy low on them this year. And then the Hoosiers, they're right there. Like if you've got, I always, you always have to love a team that has a dynamic quarterback player, uh, in, in mm-hmm. Penix. So if he can even take that next step, why couldn't they make noise? Yeah, there, I mean, there's definitely a shot. Uh, I, and then, you know, I haven't been the biggest Penix fan out there. Um, I mean, I do, he's, he's good. Um, but I will say he, out of those top tier teams, um, he's the most proven. Um, uh, you know, you look at Michigan, you look at Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State will probably trot out a really good player, but <laughs> yeah. they're not going to be proven. So that's, that's a distinct advantage. And obviously Penn State, you know, they kind of had to struggle with their, QB position a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, he's, if you wanted to pick one QB out of those four teams, I mean, it'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people that wouldn't pick Penix. Sure. All right. Moving on to a question from Spec Slayer. What is your reaction to the Pac 12 schedule release? Yes. So this was interesting. Obviously, we get, uh, Michael was pretty happy. He, uh, his USC team avoids you know, probably maybe the two best teams in the conference, Oregon and UW from the North. And you only avoid two teams. So, you know, yeah, they, they avoid the two best ones. And we'll just kind of react, I think, just to the schedules in general. We already knew who teams were playing. We just kind of got the order now and, um, oh, yeah, pretty it's much just like the order the and days, but, but regardless, we'll just, re- yeah, react to it overall. So that definitely is yeah. good. A favorable schedule. For a lot for of fans, we didn't know essentially who's, you know, who was playing who yet i didn't know usc yeah avoided me, me neither i had Oregon forgotten what the schedule was going to be yeah <laughs> yeah so anywho just a reminder that oh yeah they it sets up pretty well for them um you know make another run at one in the south uh and then uw uw got a pretty good one too i mean uh they don't play obviously usc like we said and then utah so probably the maybe maybe the two best ish teams from the south utah's kind of debatable but and then i noticed byu they're they're kind of playing in the pac-12 this year they got yeah. five pac-12 teams on the schedule so it'll be interesting to see how they do mm-hmm. they, but usc's last game is against byu so that's kind of interesting i mean byu loses a ton but yeah they they should obviously take a huge step back yeah. um but yeah i think my general takeaway was you kind of mentioned two of them with usc and uw but i'll also add oregon in there just the the projected top teams all have pretty favorable schedules with Oregon. Yep. Um, they do have to go at UW, which, so that's, you know, a negative, but they, they avoid ASU and USC from the South. So yeah, arguably the, the two best teams there too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good if you want a Pac-12 team to make the playoff or you want the best chance at that. And to me going into the, this year, the Pac-12 is so wide open to me. It's very competitive. Like Oregon, SC, Arizona State, Washington, Utah, maybe even UCLA. Like none of those teams would really like shock me. And I think more than just the conference play, we, we know some of their, the non-conference, we've known it, but I think the non-conference games is going to be really determine the perception of the conference nationally next year. Like they have a lot of opportunities, very tough opportunities. Oregon has to play at Ohio state. Washington plays Michigan, USC, Notre Dame, Colorado, A&M, Cal Cal TCU. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, chances in the non-conference to kind of help bolster the, the conference. And they need that because they haven't had a ton of success out outside of the conference uh, the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. This could be, 
We'll we'll see, but I, it could be a good year for the Pac-12. Um, I I'm, guess I'm bullish. A good year in terms of overall. I'm not sure if one team will emerge as you know and oh. go 12 and 0, and that's kind of I guess what you really need. But I think overall the conference will be pretty strong because when you look at Bill Connolly's returning production numbers, it's like all Pac-12 teams at the top. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, they all should be better. Really, I mean, maybe outside of like Colorado or something, who had a pretty darn good. Yeah, but who, who's going to regress? I guess is the the question. I'd, yeah, that's a good question. Colorado, I would guess. Uh, yeah, maybe, but no one. Stanford has a that. very very difficult schedule, but it might. Yeah, metric Stanford wise, they might not regress. Out, Arizona can't regress. <laughs> yeah, bad. No, it, it's a very. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's a very competitive conference this year. Yeah, it is. All right. Next question from at C Alton Balmer on Twitter. Do you think the spring FCS season will ultimately help or hurt FCS programs? Also, do you think we could see them making it permanent to increase visibility for their programs? So I'm going to go with the the glass half full here and say it, it can only help. Um, sure, they do lose some talented guys that are going to go to the that went to the draft. Might lose some guys to injury going into next fall since they won't have as much of a an off season, but. This is an even better form of spring ball. They can develop a rhythm for the teams going into next next year with that shorter offseason. And also gives some programs more exposure than they'd traditionally get as it's not being swallowed up on Saturdays by the, the FBS. Um, I don't necessarily think it would su- be sustainable for the long run, but it, it is an interesting experiment this year. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning the other way on this one. I, I mean, I definitely don't see it being moved there permanently. Um, and I, I'm going to say, I think it actually hurts them, uh, because you know, that one, they don't get the opportunity to play those big time schools. You know, usually some, some teams get the, a lot of a buy game, you know, they get paid a million bucks to go get, you know, whatever their butt whoops normally, but that's still an opportunity for them to make a lot of money, which a lot of those athletic departments kind of depend on. Um, but then they just get to, you know, that's their exposure. You know, they get to go play a big time school. Um, I just feel like by the time the fall season's over, like the Alabama Clemson game, done, whatever, you know, it's like, I feel like a lot of people just don't even pay attention at all. So like, you're not even checking the football box scores anymore. I just feel like it's done. I feel football's over. I don't think many people are probably watching right now. I would, I'm, I'm interested to see if more people would watch FCS during fall than compared to this spring. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think if you just talk about, especially the regular season, just talk about ratings, I bet more watched when the FCS played in the fall, just because you have those games where they play Ohio State or they play, you know, the big schools. So those, those games are getting tons of views. And right now they're on ESPN plus. So yeah, know, it's, I just don't think anybody's paying attention. Well, anybody is harsh, Ryan. But, well, but yeah, know, I guess I, mean, I tend I am, to, but... you know, one, one year. It's, it's interesting and, and, and maybe some teams I would say yeah, are getting more exposure, especially when the, the playoffs roll around. But, but yeah, I agree that long term without having those games where they play FBS, I feel like that's a lot of money lost there. So I'm not an expert on it, but it doesn't seem like a permanent move would be good for them. And, and the players, like if you do have good players, like you said, Trey, that are going to go to the NFL, I know that's a very small percentage, but still it's, you know, you want to have those guys because they go in the league and, and they provide good publicity for the school that they went to. Um, yep. Now they're not going to be able to play their their final season because they have to prepare for the draft. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. Trey Lance this year, we're not going exactly. to see a, a final year for Trey Lance at North Dakota State. But 
Yep. So be it. They got whooped up. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I thought no right. one was paying uh, attention, Ryan. How'd you <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, college football junkies, maybe. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, uh, next question from at Carter G. Pilster uh, from Twitter. He's got a uh, couple of questions here, so we'll start this one off. Let's pose this one for Trey here. What are your thoughts on LSU this year? Okay, so I'm still not on board with the Tigers this year. Coach O, he, he's, he's scrambling, bringing in a, another brand-new coaching staff pretty much. Could be just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, but they need to improve the defense big time. I mean, that's an understatement. SP Plus has them around 45th on defense going into this upcoming year. And that just really can't be if LSU wants to be a top 10 or 15 team. I am a little more optimistic with the offense and think they can move the ball. They showed some flashes uh, towards the end of last year, especially in that that Florida upset win. The talent that they've stockpiled the last couple of years, it better start to develop or 22 22- – the 2022 season could be a semi-warm seat for Eddie O. But this kind of leads me to my – the point is I would really love to hear from from LSU fans on their thoughts because our yeah. podcast, we've been kind of bearish on LSU and uh, pretty much as as bearish as anyone uh, since their title. So I'm curious to know where they really stand on Coach O and the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, I'm interested to hear their outlook for 2022. Okay, yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're an LSU fan listening right now – you can, I mean, any venue, but probably an email might be best. So send an email to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Give us like your thoughts on the state of the program. Like, what are you thinking about Coach O? Is he, are you sure he's the, the guy for the next 10 years or are you questioning that? Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's move on to a second question here. Uh, he says, also, who was the better player to not win the Heisman? Uh, Tua or Trevor Lawrence? This is a great question. Um, but to me, actually, I it was kind of easy for me to get to the answer, though, uh, weirdly. I, I think it's Tua. He he wasn't a starter for as many games as, as Lawrence, so I could see if you're just going counting stats and, I guess, just kind of longevity, you might go with Lawrence. But I think Tua's efficiency puts him over the top. Higher completion percentage, two more yards per attempt, pretty significant, better touchdown-to-interception ratio, way better passer rating, better QBR, so... For me, even though he's, like I said, he, he played a little bit less, I just, I think he, he had a much better, well, I don't, I don't want to say much better. He had a better college career. Yeah. I mean, stats wise. Yeah. And Tua would have won the Heisman had he not gotten injured, uh, most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, you could say Lawrence, the same thing about Trevor Lawrence this, this year, year, arguably. Yeah. And that's the thing is Maybe. Lawrence was just, he's so, he's a generational talent, so gifted. Um, but Clemson, their offense wasn't just, they're not always about kind of opening it up and just hucking it all over just to to give him stats. You know, they would spread it around to ETN. They'd maybe uh, – and then, of course, yeah, this year they he had a couple of games where he set out due to COVID, so that kind of cost him. But I don't know. You watch most of these games, and you can just tell that Lawrence was the best player on the field, and even when the stats didn't always show it. So maybe he was, but uh, it's flipping a coin, man. Yeah, I definitely was flipping a coin. Um, but I'll, I'm going to lean with Trevor Lawrence as well here. Um, okay. it, it's hard to judge Alabama quarterbacks, obviously, just because of how insane the talent is around him. You could, Tua, yeah, it was amazing. But then you see Mac Jones come in this year and he, uh, he outduels him. Like Mac That's Jones true. had a more efficient year than Tua. Yeah. And, you know, if you put the, the talent that Trevor Lawrence has at behind center uh, of, of Alabama, 
I bet you Trevor Lawrence mimics those numbers as well. Um, I mean, with the, with the, as, as how good as he is. And he, we, we've saw him, like Trey kind of mentioned, like we've seen him be the best player on the field that kind of carry seems like Clemson. And especially if you just look back at the national title game as true freshman year, like he was throwing some incredibly good balls and tight coverage against, against Bama. So, I mean, there's no wrong choice. I mean, they, I mean, they both probably are, we played well enough to deserve it, but you know, um, I'll give a slight edge to, to Lawrence. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it is hard to adjust for the situation they're in. Not that Clemson, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had, uh, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mario Roger. Like, he, he wasn't chumps, man. Too. He had chumps. <laughs> able to hand it off to ETN and throw it to ETN. So yeah, he, yeah. offensive line though, uh, the edge I think definitely went to, uh, well, I mean, to yeah, Tua. Tua had what, four, four like first round wide receivers to throw to or for at least NFL receivers to throw to. <laughs> yeah, even games. receiving Speak- core edge goes to, yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of elite talents and elite programs, this leads us to our next question from Derek Mick 14 on Instagram. Nebraska over under seven wins in 2021. Um, yeah, I got to go under, uh, for sure. Um, four straight yeah. losing seasons. Five yeah, out of six. Ryan, let's let's check back in with Ryan in August. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going over seven. I'm not going over seven. Okay, I know. I if, know. if it's six and a half, maybe I'll say <laughs> yeah, maybe we, we can get to seven wins. There we go. Yeah, but seven that means we got to win eight. No, I'm not. No, that's just that's that's too unrealistic. Uh, you know, I see it. Believe it when I. I'll see it. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it with Frost. Yeah, we. You know, we got OU in the non-conference at OU. Good luck. <laughs> Um, then we, honestly, we, we play Buffalo. Buffalo comes to, that's not going to be an easy game. They've got a good program there. Um, you know, uh, Ohio State, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, they all own us. I mean, I just don't see eight. I'd be happy with seven and five. Um, sad to say, but yeah, I can't go over seven. Michigan's on the schedule too, right? So. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Michigan's there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's a tough schedule. Um, I, yeah, I think six and six is way more likely than eight and four. So I agree. Especially without, not that even full strength. If everyone returned, I would still go yeah, under here. But no the best offensive weapon, Wandell Robinson's gone. I just I don't see a reason to go over. Yep. Yeah. Just not the not the best off season with the transfers, and you just need to see the offense develop more into what Frost has previously shown at other stops, and even in year one at Nebraska. So I'd uh, I'd lean under seven for sure at this point. All right, that was sad. Next question. I hope we're wrong. <laughs> Hope we're wrong. I hope, hope so too. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. You never know. I mean, yeah. Coastal Carolina goes and wins 11 games this year or whatever. So you never know what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> we need a mirror. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. Luke underscore 007 Anderson asks, he says, I asked this last year. So let's see the difference. Opinion on NC State and its future. Totally fair, it's Luke, be and more, I was probably going to be more positive this, this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I was probably the I don't think I was too high on the Wolfpack. Um, I wasn't in on Doran, but they proved me wrong last year. I'm a little more bullish on them this year as we sit uh, sit here today. They return about as much as anyone in the country on defense. Uh, now the the question is, can Devin Leary? Continue to improve even after he got injured this past year, injury shortened year. Bam Knight, Ricky Person. Form, they have a strong running back duo. I don't know if they can beat the performance they did last year and win nine or 10, but absolutely see them in a bowl game battling it out from, you know, that upper third of, of the ACC. Yeah. That's just kind of where I see them for the long term is mm-hmm. just kind of like 
seven wins ish, you know, good, but not great. Their recruiting is kind of like seventh or so in the ACC, which is, you know, I guess you could consider top half, but just, you know, kind of barely. They're just hanging in there. I mean, obviously they, you know, the eight and four year, uh, I don't, I think any of us saw. I mean, I think maybe Michael and I were somewhat optimistic on them. Uh, coming into the year based off of just how poorly they played the year before. Like they got to get better. Um, but can Devin Leary get healthy is, is another thing. If he's a hundred percent healthy and he, cause he was better. I mean, somehow they won games with Bailey Hockman who, you know, wasn't that great at, at QB, but, um, uh, you know, overall seven ish, seven type win team, they're going to be solid. Um, and then maybe once every four or five years, they can perk up and, you know, have a, you know, legit top, 20 type team yeah i agree with everything you guys said there and i did i went back and listened to what i answered to this question last year i was definitely too negative for sure okay. but like you said i did as the offseason progressed i i did become yeah. high like but right before the season i was like nc state's gonna be the most improved team in the country or i thought they might be one of the most improved and but uh but yeah at this time last year i don't know they were coming off a four and eight season and I, I, I overreacted. So. I don't even remember what I said. Maybe I, I was like I, you. I wasn't high I, then or the off season, but yeah, yeah. Pies on But I agree. Face, they're I'll back. They're it. back to that uh, you know seven eight win kind of expectation, and and you hope to perk up and have a nine win season here and there. And yeah, it's I do like I love when NC State is pretty good, especially when they get those like those Thursday night games. They always have mm-hmm. some. Usually ACC have ones, some, yeah. Yeah, I I hope they can turn it around. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next question from Kenny. Uh, what are your thoughts on moving the bowl season to the beginning of the season and expanding the postseason to 16 teams? So you'd have 10 auto bids and then six at large, he says. He, th- he says he thinks it would be an amazing opening weekend uh, or or two weeks you could do, he says, um, of the bowl season. And then uh, you would have five weeks of amazing high-stakes football from the conference championship time. Uh, to the national championship. So what do you guys think about that? So I've, I've read the, the bowl season idea. I read, I think, um, Banner Society was the, they wrote an article about that a while back. I don't, I don't like it personally. Um, I would need to be convinced just because it's kind of weird that the, you know, the team, especially of course the seniors that earned the, the bowl game wouldn't be playing in it, right? Cause they would have graduated. So, and then I'm assuming also the, the bowl season before the season, it would, so if it happened this year, like they'd be playing, you know, late this summer, but it wouldn't count towards the 2021 season. It would count, I'm assuming oh. towards, I don't know, unless really? I'm wrong there, but I think that's the case. I think it's kind of just oh, that's, exhibition, that like bowl sense. game. Yeah. Which to me, then I know people are saying, well, people don't really care about the bowl games much as it is, which it's maybe a little overstated. I mean, sure. There are players that sit out, but the vast majority of players do play, um, but I think it would it would get even worse as far as the coaches caring about these games because why why are you going to want to play all your great starters uh, yeah, when the like season starts NFL in game. like a week and this game doesn't count towards that season? You could get injuries. Like it just seems like it would be even even less important um, unless I have the. Well, let's just let's pretend like it does matter. If so. it does count, it, then it's just another way of making non conference games. So that sounds cool. Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Then if that's the case, then yeah, I think I could maybe get behind that. Yeah, I mean that the current trend of how the bowl games are going at the end of the year is a little bit concerning. Just considering you're watching, 
you know, half these, not half these teams, but there's a, a fair amount of teams where you end up kind of watching their JV squad because the, the players opt out. But like you said, Mike, it's not every school. It's not every player that that's sitting yeah. out, but it does. It is. We have kind of lost a little bit of that aura of the bowl games and especially like New Year's Day. It would be great to recreate that. Um, maybe if players start to get compensated, it'll become less of an issue and, and we can get some of those, those bowl games yeah. back. But so Michael, what did you think though about the, the 16 team playoff? Well, I'll preface my answer here by saying like, no matter what system they change to, if they change to exactly what, what Kenny offers here, I will still love college football. I'll, I'm sure I'd get used to it. I would love it. But right now I don't like this idea. I just, you would, you'd be guaranteed to have like three lost teams for sure, potentially four lost teams in, in the playoff. Um, and if you're a power five team, basically no matter what, you could, you could lose two games and almost assuredly be in the playoffs. So to me, that does minimize the importance of the regular season a bit too much. It would start to kind of, it would be, it kind of be like college basketball, I think, to, I mean, to an extent where sure the regular season is nice and, and the kind of diehards are into it, but, Really, everyone just kind of tunes in for that that last stretch of games, which honestly, it's this is probably inevitable because money wise, that would be great. It, it would probably be great for the sport by having more playoff games. Um, so that's probably where it's headed eventually. But uh, but yeah, I don't like it. To me, eight seems like the perfect amount so that those conference championship games, I think they would matter more um, with the eight with with the automatic bids because with the sixteen, a lot of the losers in those Power Five. In those yeah, conference championships would be in anyway. So it's kind yeah. of would be just for seeding. So I feel like eight makes every single conference championship race important and it gives the G5, um, a chance to be in with not, without, in my opinion, putting maybe a little bit too many of them in. You having kind of diluting the field. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, maybe I'm an old dog with the, and need to adapt, but I just, I would like to see it cap out max at eight because I just don't see any year where there's been anyone outside of the top eight that had a legitimate gripe to play for the championship. Like, much less do they have a chance to actually win it. Like, would it be exciting? Yeah, it would. But the 16 team, it would totally diminish the the rivalry week maybe and then even the conference championship. Like, what, in, what incentive would Alabama, say, have to play in the Iron Bowl and even the conference championship go all out in both of those games? Maybe not. Like, or like last seating, year. but yeah. Yeah. And then, but last year, Florida, their only shot to get in the playoff was to beat Bama in the SEC title, even after that LSU loss. Like, so, so they just still get to get in the playoff after losing to LSU and Bama in the last couple weeks. And then they'd get the opportunity to play Alabama again in the playoff. Like, why? And then my, my last point, and this is my stick, sticking point is if you just look at last year alone, it was clearly the top three teams. Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. Notre Dame was the lucky one to draw four, but it didn't matter who was going to get that four seed. You could have given it to the Cincinnati or whoever. They weren't going to win. More teams might make it more inclusive of the non-traditional teams, but I don't. Does it make it better? I don't know. I'm maybe not the person to answer that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I can I can see the the bowl game thing for at the beginning of the year. Just I, I understand maybe where people are coming from. I don't like it. Um, I don't really like the 16 team playoff either, but you know, it's just so, so if you say it happens, like it just feel like teams are going to start playing maybe a little too often, a little too more, too many games. Like they're already kind of at that point where teams start playing uh, yeah. too many games. So you, you know, you got, It'd be like I feel like, more, you could, I feel like that more. could be pretty easily worked around. Yeah. Because it's only a few teams playing more games than you could. I don't know. Maybe you take a game off the regular season or I don't know, but it's only 
couple more games. Maybe pe- teams go back down to an eight game conference schedule. Um, yeah. But I just feel like if you had the bowl game thing before, um, it does, it would maybe eliminate, um, some of the non-conference home and homes that we do see. Um, you know, cause a lot, some of these teams, if they have that bowl game at the beginning of the year, they're not going to want to go play, you know, you know, the LSUs and Texases might not decide to do it home and home and say, Oh, we might have a, we're going to have a tough game already. A first game oh. out of the bat, uh, on a, it's a neutral field game. So we're just going to leave that. That'll be our tough one. And then we're going to schedule a couple of down teams for our, the other two spots or maybe one spot if we have to minimize the other non-conference. So or maybe we wouldn't get Texas at LSU or, you know, Notre Dame, USC as much or, you know, teams, games like that where it's like actually home venues. That's what's awesome. Like, you know, I don't that's, need to see Texas and LSU playing in the Bahamas or something. I'd rather them do in, you know, Death Valley and, you know, in, in Austin. Yeah, your point about the too many games, I was forgetting you were also talking about putting bowl games up front to the season. Yeah, that, that adding yeah. another game. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Why do I, I would rather have like this upcoming year, I'd rather have Oregon at Ohio State than some bowl game in Dallas, you know, I, I so yeah. between, you know, even if it's the same teams, yes. I'd rather have it at the venues. That's a good point. And I, I guess I will say the last point on the playoff thing is I think maybe Kenny's point though, I, I'm speaking for him, but, with the four-team playoff as it is, it has become a little repetitive and that we're seeing the same teams over and over. And But we might, I don't know, I guess if you went to eight, you'd still probably would see those same three or four and then just four others. I don't know, but maybe it would enhance it. Yeah. I, don't, that's I mean, we are tough, seeing the same teams, question. but it would, like Clemson, they, their emergence came during the playoff era. Like we, we say, oh, it's just Clemson again. It's like, well, that's only been for yeah. the past like six years or whatever. Like Before yeah. that, they Cyc- were a second-tier program. And yeah, Bama will some, disappear eventually. Yeah, at some point Bama will fall wow. down. At some point Texas will well, rise up. Yeah. USC will rise up. You know, it's so, but yeah. it is, it is the big schools, but it's not because like right now with the four, I, I, I'm for expansion to eight, but right now it does suck for the G5 schools because obviously they, their seasons really almost don't matter, you know, because they, they yeah. could win every game and still not make it. Um, but for every team in the power five, it still matters. Like for the regular season, even though it's Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson making it every year, that's just because they're the best and they keep winning. Yeah. But like if Kansas went Duke, undefeated, yeah, they would make yeah. it. Like they, it's just that they're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think eight would be more inclusive of those G5s. So yeah. And the question is just how you set up an eight. Is it five automatic conference title winners, two at large and one, one G5, G5 spot? I th- that sounds good to me. Yeah. 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 I'd be all right with it. All right. Maybe a little. Yeah. That sounds fine. Anywho. Next question from, that was a good question though, Kenny. And, uh, I'm interested to hear what, what people think about that. Uh, Joshua asks, which head coaches do you see making the jump to the NFL in the next couple of years? Who will succeed and who will fail? Wow. That's a, I like the question, but it's extremely difficult. I'm not even going to pretend here like I know what these guys would do in the league. But uh, just as we know, it's all about situation. Like, do they get a good GM, good defense, mm-hmm. good O-line, whatever. I'm going to name a couple. We got, you know, Lincoln Riley's always the buzz, especially somewhere like, you know, Dallas, where you got guys like Jerry Jones, love him, some yeah. some good offenses. And he could succeed just because you've seen success w- um, that he's had with NFL quarterbacks, like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. They're doing well in the NFL. He did well with them at Oklahoma. Um, but I, a, a guy that's that briefly got talked about this year was kind of off the radar to me was uh, 
Fitzgerald from Northwestern, he could be like a rule where they seem to be very good at building a culture. I think no matter where he goes, he could improve a team. I'm not saying he could like win the Super Bowl, but I think he could improve the culture enough to improve that team. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I could see that. Yep. Uh, yeah. Obviously Lincoln Riley is, I think we'll all probably have on our list. Seems like a better version of Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, you know, obviously had a lot more success as a college coach than, than Cliff Kingsbury did. Um, and you know, Cliff has his old QB. So, um, the other two guys I was thinking, uh, Ryan Day, just cause you know, he's just going to keep crushing it. And you know, I, I would kind of be surprised if at one point he didn't win a, a national title. Um, so maybe at some point he'll just want to make the jump. Uh, and then my other guy I'll put out there is just Dan Mullen. Um, mm-hmm. he's spent a lot of time with Urban Meyer, of course, um, all around the country. And, you know, of course, Urban Meyer's in the NFL now. So maybe, you know, if, uh, Urban has a, a little success in Jacksonville, might convince Dan Mullen after being, you know, if he coaches for just a few more years at Florida, he'll be, I've been a head coach for like 15 years already. So maybe he'll be ready for uh, a new shot. A chance at his time in the NFL. And honestly, I like Lincoln Riley, I think would be really good. I think because we're kind of forgetting to say about that. Like oh, yeah, I think you yeah. do really well in the NFL. Ryan day. I I'm, I guess I'm just don't know as much as well. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, like a year or two behind Lincoln Riley. I'd like to see Ryan day with, you know, he's obviously did well, but you know, he kind of was in charge of JT Barrett. I'm not JT Barrett. Um, Dwayne Haskins, um, Dwayne Haskins. Thank you. And, uh, Justin Fields, but, you know, Riley had a few guys. Um, yeah. But anywho, I, I think Mullen would be do well too. So, okay. Uh, let's see. Some guys we didn't name. Matt Campbell gets mentioned. Maybe eventually he could, I, I could see him making yeah. the jump. Uh, if, especially just money wise, if the NFL team just throws so much money at, yeah, at these guys, it's, it's hard to say no. Uh, and then, but there's one coach you guys haven't named that I think, like if I, I wouldn't bet on anybody individually in the next couple of years, like I wouldn't make any of them a favorite. Jim Harbaugh. To be, Yes, but Jim Harbaugh would be the closest because, of course, he's on the hot seat at Michigan right now. Um, but he's he's made everywhere he's gone. The, you know, immediately the team has gotten better, and that includes the 49ers in the NFL. He did a great job there. So I would think that NFL teams would still want to hire him. So I could see that yeah. happening. And I think he would. I think he would do well, like he usually does. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. All right. Next one is from at Boogman Ten. You're on Legends of the Hidden Temple with your significant others. Which teams do you choose? Which team makes it to the temple run? And do you make it out with the artifact? Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, this is, uh, I, I really had to search the back of my brain to, uh, remember this show. Uh, I watched this show for to... sure a lot, but I like only have vague memories of, of how it actually works exactly that's the thing like yeah i was like that sounds familiar and then i i, I kind of remembered it and then i looked on the the images on google or whatever i'm like oh yeah that one <laughs> um i don't remember how it went though uh but i just looked up some of the teams uh yeah. so i i my, the team i would decided would to go with would be silver snakes uh and then which team would make it to the temple run? I don't know what that really means. Uh, so I mean, I think it's just the team that wins probably like, who? yeah, I'm just going to say I would win. Cause you know, I'm pretty well, good, so yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I chose the green monkeys as my team yeah. and 
I think, uh, isn't that the name of like the most expensive horse ever sold or yeah, something? Yeah, the green monkey. He was like, the someone paid like $14 million for him as a oh baby. Oh my gosh. That's and just insane to pay $14 million for a horse that's it never was something raced around before. there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't, he didn't really race. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but as far as who would win, I went with, with Ryan and Angie. I just, I guess I think collectively you guys, like Ryan, you work out probably the most yeah. of all of us so I, I think you uh collectively would would be the most athletic of the bunch yeah angie too mm-hmm. yeah i agree with though where, where ryan would uh have the upper hand in some of those those physical if challenges if it's a hand-eye coordination thing though my wife might struggle not exactly her <laughs> well, no, you, could do, you could do the physical <laughs> stuff. stuff you could do the physical she's physical stuff, she's then, great but, she's a good uh no, swimmer she was a great could, swimmer yeah, that's not going to apply here, but, but that, yeah, uh, true. <laughs> but they could, uh, but they could, uh, you'd have to get some of those, those questions. I don't know, but this yeah. is a tough question. I, we're so, we, we sound so old. This is like way beyond our, our, I wasn't much of a Nickelodeon kid. Oh, I was for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's been so long. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I did say I did want to be the green monkeys also. Okay. All right. Uh, Next question comes from Roro Roshni on Instagram. Two questions she's got here, and I do not like them. So might have ourselves, a, I think, a third enemy of the podcast in addition to mm. Braden and Megan. She says, who is your favorite brother? Trey. Neither. Oh, wow. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> me. Oh. oh, wow. Okay. So I wow, got one vote, and Trey got one vote, but no votes for me. <laughs> Ouch. I voted for myself. Tough beat, right. Ryan. Next question. <laughs> Who better, mom or dad? Man, this person is really stirring up some trouble. What? Yeah, I'm going to go mad is the best. Oh, okay. Ah. I, well, I, I was just, just like, growing up, it's like whoever said yes, that was my mm-hmm. favorite. Okay. Depending on what you asked. Yeah. We heard no a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I have uh, McClurry? No. Yeah, oh. McFlurry's, that was always yeah. the big thing when we were driving by McDonald's on yeah. the way home. You'd, you'd just yeah. like, oh, we're getting, we're a couple minutes away. You just throw it out there like, yeah, eh, can we get a McFlurry? Yeah. Maybe today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, what percentage would you think that she would pull in? Uh, or, uh, or dad? 5%. I don't know. Like, maybe we all, ask all the that. time, probably. Yeah, that's more it, than I that. I mean, she, we went a fair amount, but the reason yeah, we didn't fair. go is all the time is because we wanted it. All the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, probably, probably worked out for the best. <sighs> okay. Well, I, oh, you know, the mom does it listen depends to on every, for what reason or who's well, the mom better. listens to every episode. So maybe we should take that into uh-huh. consideration. I'm not oh, yeah. sure if no. So we'll, I'll just say mom. Of course. Yeah, oh, she's easy. Yeah, probably true. listening. Easy she's probably listening right now. Easy yeah. answer. <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah. All right. All right, next? last question. Last question. Best question of the podcast. Coming from Rutgers Todd, from a from a Rutgers Todd patron here. Uh, what is your favorite episode of South Park? Why did you like, a little take accent, an accent? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right. I imagine wow. that's how Rutgers Todd would talk. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to say make love, not Warcraft. Ah. The one where they're just gaming in their basement. That one was hilarious. Oh, Stan's dad yeah, is in it, of course. Um, I like that one. Ginger Kids, if I'm going to name another one, is is a classic. I had a couple of friends in college that were twin 
gingers and they claimed that that episode of south park ruined their life which <laughs> that's not why it's my favorite that is harsh that is is it was not a good episode if you had red hair this is what a question it's borderline impossible to narrow it down like this is one of my favorite series ever especially the episodes from like more than five years ago some of the recent stuff hasn't been as great but um i remember laughing the hardest probably in the canadian royal wedding I loved that episode. It was like the hmm. royal pudding. Oh my gosh. Or, you know, there was the, there's famous with Stan's dad, Randy, when the boys, they keep trying to lose in baseball. They're, they <laughs> that, can't out yes. their opponents because they don't want to play all summer long. And then Randy gets in fights with all the dads. That is a great episode. Oh, also. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything with Randy, like when he goes to the Indian casino and lets it ride, kind of like me last week. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's great. Uh, there was one that I, I don't remember the name of it, but, uh, it was the, like, it was like the Pinewood Derby. Uh, mm. I just remember that one being a good one. Uh, but the, uh, the, the Make Love Now Warcrafts, it's probably my favorite too. That one's just, yeah. that one's hilarious. And then, Trey, you mentioned the other one that I really liked is the, <laughs> the boys trying to intentionally lose, uh, oh. in, in baseball. <laughs> There's so many there good are, ones. There are so many good ones. A lot yeah, of good I, I don't watch it anymore, but it was great. The, uh, the, when, when, uh, medicinal marijuana one, when Stan's dad just wants to get medicinal marijuana, he just tries to get cancer. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He just, that was a crazy classic show. as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the question, Todd. And thanks everyone for listening to the college football bros podcast. Again, uh, check out our YouTube channel. We've got one final question there. The top 10 best logos in college football very visual episode of course so we hope you enjoy that let us know your favorites in the comments there and we will talk to you next week you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com to keep up with the brothers on social media like them on facebook at college football bros follow them on instagram at college football bros And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour Voice Remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox Voice Remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. 
When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today.